This is 5-Minute Friday on what I learned in 2022. Wow, what a year 2022 was. Maybe the biggest year for machine learning and AI ever. And for the Super Data Science Podcast in particular, it was definitely our best year yet. We had incredible guests. I'm proud of the conversations and content covered in every single episode this year, and I appreciate the feedback you've provided and questions you've had for guests in order to make that happen. The Super Data Science Podcast team has also grown, allowing us to produce even slicker episodes with more meat on the bones. Specifically, we added three folks to the team this year. The brilliant data scientist Serge Massis came on as our researcher. If you aren't familiar with his work already, you should definitely check it out. We had him on for a long episode at the start of the year, episode number 539. And then we also had him for a short five-minute Friday episode recently. That was episode 634. So with his role as researcher on our show, he digs into guest backgrounds super thoroughly and comes up with amazing topics to discuss with them. He bridges guest backgrounds in order to come up with questions that they might be the only person on the planet that can answer them. And so I hope you enjoyed hearing those questions and those answers over the course of the year. On our writing team, in addition to Sylvia Ogwang, who has already been writing for us for a long time, we added another writer, Dr. Zara Karshe. And so she's been a second writer on the show, enabling us to produce exquisitely professional episode summaries, show notes, and social media posts for you. And third, the third person that we added to our team this year is the indefatigable Natalie Jaisky. She joined me full-time as my operations manager to keep all of my plates spinning across the podcast and my other professional commitments. For the podcast, for example, this has allowed us to build up a much, much deeper guest and episode pipeline than ever before, and also to increase the richness of our offering and engagement across platforms like YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, and even a developing TikTok channel. Um, So with incredible guests and incredible new team members, it's perhaps unsurprising that the show has continued to enjoy tremendous growth. If you compare the most recent quarter with the same quarter a year earlier, the number of downloads of the show has grown by 90%, so it's very nearly doubled. Individual guest episodes now conservatively garner at least 35,000 listens. So thank you for listening, for watching, for engaging, and for letting your friends and colleagues know about the Super Data Science Podcast. We put our heart and soul into all 104 episodes each year, and we do it for you. It means a ton to us that you commit some of your valuable attention each week to the program. Thanks again. It's truly the great honor of my life so far to serve you on this show. All right, so (laughs) that gives you um, an update on what we've been doing with the show over the past year. And now to cap off 2022, like I did to cap off 2021, for today's episode, I'll cover the five big lessons that I learned over the course of the year. Namely, I can't do everything at once. (laughs) Orders of magnitude more parameters produce unbelievable AI models. The 24-hour news cycle is exhausting and unsatisfying. Working in person is way more fun. And logging nutrition is effective and paradoxically liberating. So we'll go through those five one by one. Starting with the first one, I can't do everything at once. So I already went through, to kick off this episode, the tremendous success we've had with the Super Data Science Podcast. In addition to that, my machine learning company, Nebula, also launched its first product into a private beta in the autumn. 
in the Northern Hemisphere autumn, so just a couple of months ago. And I mean, that's, that's a lot, but there's lots of other things that I hoped to do this year. So things that I started doing at the beginning of the year and that I had been doing in previous years. So this includes um, one of the things that I regret the most is that I wasn't able to keep up this year with my weekly uh, updates to my YouTube channel and the corresponding Udemy course. So starting a couple of years ago, I started uh, publishing video tutorials on my YouTube channel. And uh, after getting a kind of a rhythm to it, I was able to do it at a weekly cadence for over a year, maybe 18 months, maybe two years, I can't remember exactly. And all that YouTube content, it's mostly on math topics, specifically geared towards machine learning. So things like linear algebra, calculus, probability theory, and um, everything that goes on that YouTube channel, we also put into a Udemy course and that Udemy course, it's got everything that's on YouTube, but in addition, it has full solution walkthroughs that aren't available on YouTube. So that's the only difference. You get all of the uh, teaching content on YouTube or Udemy, but if you want these math for machine learning solution walkthroughs, it's just my Udemy course that has that stuff. Anyway, the Udemy course has been doing incredible. It has over 100,000 students, which is crazy to me, but uh, I haven't been able to update the course since the Northern Hemisphere spring. So yeah, I don't know, that's just, it's disappointing. I get lots of students reaching out, lots of people commenting on YouTube videos, lots of people adding me on LinkedIn and saying, when's there gonna be a new video in the, in, on YouTube or in the Udemy course? And uh, I keep saying, I hope it's gonna be a couple months. <laughs> and I really do, I, I hope that early in 2023, um, you know, with the podcast now, uh, having this great guest pipeline and this recorded episode pipeline, Hopefully I can turn a bit of my attention uh, towards creating those videos again, having a great pipeline of videos and having that weekly cadence again for all of you that have been enjoying those videos. Another thing that I haven't been able to make progress on is the corresponding book. So I signed a contract with the publisher Pearson to write my second book, uh, The Mathematical Foundations of Machine Learning. And so this will specifically cover the linear algebra and the calculus content that I cover in my YouTube channel or in the Udemy course, but made into a book format. And I'm so excited to get started on that because writing a book, it really forces you to get super deep into understanding the content in a way that I think even creating video tutorial content, I don't get quite as deep on. And people love a book format. There's something really magical about a well-written book. And so, I can't wait to be able to get around to writing that book. Uh, but again, just something I haven't been able to make much progress on in 2022. So yeah, I can't do everything at once. Uh, the podcast has doubled in listeners. You know, we've got this amazing guest pipeline. And yeah, and my machine learning company has its first product in beta. I mean, these are huge achievements, but in, in doing those things, yeah, I just wasn't able to do everything at once. So I'm trying not to be hard on myself but with so many earnest students and my publisher out there hoping for progress on the videos, on the YouTube videos, the Udemy course, the book, it's hard not to feel like somehow I should be able to muster the time or the energy to somehow miraculously get that stuff done on top of everything else. But I really am already, as we'll get more into later in the episode, I'm already heavily overweight on how much time I spend working 
Um, and my life is kind of out of balance uh, related to that. So yeah, just accepting that I can't do everything at once has been the big first lesson for me in 2022, trying not to be hard on myself as I accept that. The second big lesson for 2022 is that orders of magnitude more parameters produce unbelievable AI models. So we'd started to already get a taste of this um, in the last couple of years. So models like GPT-3 that have orders of magnitude more model parameters than its predecessor GPT-2, it had lots of emergent properties that the authors of that algorithm, so people like Melanie Subaya, who was on this program in episode number 559, uh, she was one of the first authors on the uh, GPT-3 paper, and she expressed to us in that episode that the kinds of capabilities that GPT-3 had, people didn't anticipate that. The authors didn't anticipate that. It It's mind-blowing the breadth and often human level capability that these generational, that these generative models have. Um, and, and, and 2022 was a super, super crazy year. So leveraging what we call foundational large language models like GBT3 with orders of magnitude more parameters, um, those have been used, um, those foundational models have been used you know, augmented with other uh, models appended to them, um, new training data sets, and we witnessed a big bang in the emergence of generative models with staggering expert human level creative capacity on tasks as diverse as artwork. So for example, Dolly 2, on long form conversational text, for example, ChatGPT, and then perhaps the most staggering development for me in 2022 was the language-based gameplay negotiation capabilities of Cicero by Meta AI Research. And so the Cicero algorithm is able to play a complex game called diplomacy where you need to form alliances with other players using language. And then you need to basically stab some of them in the back <laughs> in order to win the game. And the Cicero algorithm is able to play diplomacy online at the 90th percentile or higher, that's really mind-blowing to me. And I'm delighted to announce that I actually just found out. Um, so <laughs> I, it, it might be a little while, at least a few weeks before the episode is live, but I just got email confirmation from one of um, the engineering managers working on Cicero that he'll come and do an episode in early 2023 to break down this huge achievement. But in the meantime, if you can't wait to hear about that huge achievement, you can go back and check out episode number 569 with Dr. Noam Brown. He talks about lots of different gameplay AI algorithms. Um, his particular uh, focus uh, historically was poker. So that's talked about a lot in episode number 569. But in addition, he is one of the key people on Cicero. And so if you go to any of the meta blog post about Cicero, Noam Brown is uh, one of the talking heads explaining how that algorithm works. So you can check that out for now. And then, yeah, we'll have um, another uh, meta engineering manager come in in early 2023 and talk about uh, specifically now that the Cicero's paper is out, they'll be able to, he'll be able to dig into a lot of the detail there for us on air. So super cool. Um, 
So I think that this kind of thing is going to continue. This, these unbelievable AI models, I mean it when I say that 2022 was probably the most extraordinary year for AI ever. Um, you know, there were other important years like 2012 when we saw the uh, emergence of deep learning, period. Specific applications like uh, the AlexNet architecture out of Jeff Hinton's lab at the University of Toronto. And that was big, but it, that was like one specific, relatively narrow application. And it showed how important deep learning is. But now 10 years later in 2022, we have these huge, huge, huge foundational large language models that are capable of so many human level capability generative tasks. Um, yeah, like I already went through artwork, conversational text, and language-based gameplay negotiation. It's just, it's just wild. So the the breadth and the the human level quality of these applications um, using natural language. It, I did not anticipate anything like this at the beginning of 2022. And so I'm holding my breath for what will happen in 2023 with the release of next generation large language models like GPT-4, which is rumored to be released early in the year, maybe February. And so with that, you can expect existing human level generative capabilities that we saw this year to become markedly more refined and even more realistic and human-like and we'll see probably new human-level generative capabilities emerge that we didn't anticipate. We've got more coming up on that in the very next episode, episode number 641, when we go into 2023 data science trends with the brilliant Sadie St. Lawrence. So plenty more coming up on how wild it is uh, when we add more parameters, uh, orders of magnitude more parameters into AI models. All right, so that was my second lesson of the year. The third lesson for me was that the 24-hour news cycle is exhausting and unsatisfying. So when the COVID pandemic hit, I went from being somebody who only read the news in the physical economist newspaper that would arrive at my doorstep once a week. So once a week, I'd get this physical magazine and I would read through it uh, often from beginning to end. And so I'd get a lot of depth on stories. When the COVID pandemic hit, I was like, what in the world is going on? And I was glued to the news on my phone and looking at rates of COVID transmission and testing and just trying to understand how this was going to change the world and the economy and my businesses and how I needed to adapt. And so, yeah, it just became glued to the news during the COVID pandemic. And just as the pandemic was coming to an end, Russia invades Ukraine. And that to me, again, I was just glued to the news cycle. I was like, what is going on? I didn't expect war in the West in my lifetime. I thought that was something that just wouldn't happen. I think maybe even my parents' generation, you know, they never saw war um, like at this kind of level um, in the West. And um, yeah, so it just, the, the shock of that, I've been since absorbed in the 24-hour news cycle since. So COVID pandemic, right into that war. And I'm just, yeah, I'm just left exhausted by constantly, you know, when I have a break um, or, you know, I'm on the subway, my default is to go check the news. What's the latest? And I think that isn't good for my mood, just kind of like social media isn't uh, good for my mood. 
and it kind of it kind of leaves me feeling fatigued. Uh, so in 2023, I hope to be able to shake my addiction to the 24-hour news cycle and get back to what I was doing before, just reading the physical, the paper economist that comes once a week. And then hopefully that'll also open up some time. So in those moments when I'm sitting on the subway or you know, waiting for <laughs> some food to finish cooking or something, instead of going to the news, hopefully I'll go dig into a great book, uh, which is something since the pandemic hit, I've barely done any reading of books at all. And that, that's another huge joy in my life. So 24-hour news cycle, exhausting, unsatisfying. Reading books, super satisfying and joyful. So got to find a way to turn that around in 2023. All right, lesson number four is that working in person is way more fun. So this plays on one of my lessons from last year, which is that remote working works. So I <laughs> admitted last year that I was surprised that remote working works, and it does, it absolutely does. I'm still blown away at how efficient my machine learning company is largely being remote. The Super Data Science Podcast also, um, except for Natalie and me working together uh, most days, everyone else is remote all around the world. So people like Ivana, our podcast manager, or Kirill, who founded the Super Data Science Podcast, I interact with these people more days than I don't, and I've never met them in real life. <laughs> so remote working can definitely work, but working in person is way more fun. So at my machine learning company, for example, this year, with everybody being, uh, with so many people being vaccinated um, and COVID being less of a risk, we've been having offsites again. So, um, or actually for the first time, because, <laughs> because prior to the pandemic, we were an in-person, an all-in-person company. So um, we're having offsites for the first time in our now remote first company. And uh, so that includes things like uh, social activities with other data scientists on my team. So a couple of data scientists on my team and I, um, with a bunch of other people from the company, we went on a big trip to Cabo in Mexico um, this summer, uh, Northern Hemisphere summer. And wow, uh, yeah, so great to spend time with all those people. Sometimes I just have meals with data scientists on my team, um, with, the, with the ones that live with me uh, here in New York. And, uh, and then, yeah, as I just mentioned, uh, Natalie, who's that full-time hire that I, I mentioned at the top of the episode, uh, my operations manager, were in person most days. And that is, is such a treat. Like, yeah, just being able to have a bit of banter, a bit of laughter. Um, it, it isn't the same for me, at least, over Zoom. It doesn't have the same positive impact on my mood. Um, and so, yeah, working in person is way more fun. That's my fourth lesson. <laughs> and so I'm looking forward to more conferences. That's a, Yeah, it's another thing that happened this year is I was able to go in person to conferences again, like ODSC West. We recorded a whole bunch of episodes uh, at ODSC West in San Francisco this year. Episode number 628, 630, 632, 633, and 634. All of those were recorded at ODSC West, and it was so much fun. Also recorded a bunch of episodes in person um, at my apartment or on stage at other conferences this year. So uh, that Noam Brown episode that I mentioned earlier, that was episode number 569. We recorded that at MLConf in New York. And we also did an amazing episode with Hillary Mason, uh, episode number 589 at the R Conference in New York. So 
yeah, just being able to get out there and see people in person at conferences or, or working with people in person. It's really, I don't know, for me personally, it's brought a lot of, a lot of fun and joy back into uh, working life for me. And critically, it's also meant that I'm more excited than ever to do work and tackle problems um, in a way that at least, yeah, with Zoom meetings, it, it isn't for me the same. Um, and, you know, that isn't to say that, you know, I still stand by my lesson from last year that remote working absolutely works. And there are huge advantages to remote working that I talked about a year ago. But, um, yeah, loving this when I can get it, uh, the level of in-person uh, interactivity has made a huge positive impact on my mood. And I'm grateful for that and looking for more of it in 2023, more conferences. Uh, and yeah, hopefully seeing more of you listeners out there at conferences as well. It was fun getting to meet a bunch of you at the conferences this year. Okay. And then lesson number five, my final lesson of 2022 is that logging nutrition is effective and paradoxically liberating. So around the Northern Hemisphere summertime, maybe the springtime, I can't remember exactly, I could go back and look, but it doesn't really matter. I started logging macros, so the grams of fat, the grams of carbs, and the grams of protein of every single thing that I eat about five or six days a week. So previously, I used to do this um, every once in a while. So for the preceding few years, I was doing this, you know, for maybe a week, a quarter, I would log all of my macros. And um, I discovered by doing it consistently, it paradoxically saves me time. So specifically, I use the MyFitnessPal app. There's lots of apps that you can use for logging macros. The MyFitnessPal one, I don't know, it's pretty easy to use. It's not perfect, but whatever. It's, it's a pretty simple task. And that app works for me. I think it's the, probably the most popular app for doing this kind of thing. And so the, the, there's this paradox because while obviously it takes time to enter the macros as you eat everything over the course of the day, um, it saves me mental time because otherwise I spend this time wondering like, oh, have I eaten enough today? Am I just hungry because I'm bored or lonely? Uh, and when I'm logging everything, I can see, oh, yep, I have this calorie budget for the day and I'm at 80% of it and it's 9 p.m. at night. So yes, sweet, I get to have another 500 calories. Uh, great, I know that this hunger is real. And um, I say hungry. I mean, I never, this is the other really cool thing about logging macros is that I never have really felt hungry. So in the, say, six months that I've been doing this rigorously, I never feel hungry, but I also never feel stuffed. So my energy is kind of more consistent, and it's also led to consistent results. So my body fat percentage peaked above 17% in November 2020, and now, a little over two years later, I'm down below 11%. So having gone from over 17% to under 11% in two years, that isn't, you know, if you saw me month to month, there's probably not visible change. But over the course of two years, it's a big, big difference. And so um, I think, you know, it's, it's kind of like how get-rich-quick schemes <laughs> are always scams. Uh, you know, any kind of um, 
platform for changing your physical composition, any kind of a process for changing your physical composition, if somebody promises you that it's going to happen very quickly, um, uh, you know, it's probably not true, or if it is true, it's going to be quite unpleasant and the results might not be lasting. But with things like um, logging the exercise that you do and the amount of calories burned, as well as working with a nutritionist to figure out what uh, you know number of calories you should be having every day, or maybe like I do, logging macros every day, um, you can you can see tremendous results slowly. <laughs> but I think that those will also then be lasting results. And you know, this show uh, I'm not a medical professional, so. Uh, you know, hedging everything that I've just said with that, but I hopefully that, that sounds like reasonably uh, sound advice from somebody who isn't licensed to give it. Um, and yeah, I mean, so that logging nutrition has not only been uh, time-saving for, for me mentally, for my attention, and not only led to this um, uh, decrease in body fat percentage, but it's also meant that combined with consistently going to the gym five to six times a week, over the last year and a serious commitment to mobility that's been a big thing for me so as a uh, relatively big person uh, mobility can be an issue and can be liable to injuries but i've been using an app called pliability um, at least six days a week to just stretch out my whole body it's uh, pliability has um, it's a yin yoga uh, platform targeted at athletes originally specifically targeted at crossfit athletes and uh, so, yeah, so between lifting consistently, going to the gym consistently five to six days a week, um, eating well and having this commitment to mobility. And then also just in the last few months, getting involved in uh, team CrossFit competitions. So having teammates that I don't want to let down, including actually Natalie, my operations manager, is one of uh, my teammates that I've had. And so uh, being in competitions with the team, wanting to be ready for those competitions uh, and then working out uh, with teammates it's just made working out so much fun. It's been easy to stay consistent, to push yourself a bit. Studies show that whether it's running or weightlifting or whatever, if you do it with other people, you will do it for longer, not only in the individual workout, but also in terms of uh, you know commitment to that sport. So as a result of all those factors, nutrition, weightlifting consistency, mobility commitment, and working together with um, other people at weightlifting, I've had a crazy, crazy year for personal records. So smashed records in all the key power lifts, deadlift, back squat, front squat, bench press. Um, in Olympic lifts, I had enormous PRs this year uh, on the clean, the jerk, the snatch, on classic CrossFit workouts like Grace and Fran, and also just um, speed things like a 400-meter run. Um, so peaking on all those things because of the consistency. It's simple. <laughs> It's like color by numbers. Um, yeah, so anything related to your uh, you know, physical fitness or health, um, nutrition, it's all about being consistent and everybody knows that it's hard to be consistent, but I do also have frameworks to help out with that. So um, you can check back to episode number 538 when I talk about habit tracking. And so that can be a key to uh, developing the habits that you want, um, you know, around whatever, whether it's uh, fitness related or or profession related or personal life related, whatever. All right, so that's it. Those are my five lessons for 2022. I can't do everything at once, 
Orders of magnitude more parameters produce unbelievable AI models. The 24-hour news cycle is exhausting and unsatisfying. Working in person is way more fun. And logging nutrition is effective and paradoxically liberating. I'd like to highlight, though, that there's one big lesson that I did not learn in 2022. I kind of already alluded this to this already. So in 2021, one of my five lessons was all work, no play makes John a dull boy. And yeah. I'm still pretty dull, <laughs> not a lot of play. So despite getting way better at delegating in 2022, um, I didn't really learn how to work less. So demands at my machine learning company, Nebula, as well as at the Super Data Science Podcast scaled up dramatically, meaning that even though I wasn't able to do things like continue on my YouTube videos, the Udemy course, my book, I was still, I've been working just as much as ever. And so while I've had a tiny, tiny, tiny amount of travel and time with family and friends this year, it's not been nearly enough. I mean, this is no way to live. <laughs> uh, it isn't. It isn't a life. It's productive, uh, and I I absolutely love um, seeing the results, the the fruits of these labors, uh, and being able to create a podcast in particular uh, for all of you folks. But uh, this is no way to live a life. Um, so you know, many weeks in the year went by with no social activities except at the gym or the bit of banter at work that I now have uh, with people in person. Um, so yeah, little time in 2022 for personal development, playing musical instruments with I love, which I love, uh, enjoying the arts. I barely do that ever, despite loving it so much. And I already talked about how, you know, reading reading for leisure is something that I really enjoy. And yeah, since the pandemic hit, I've read one book. <laughs> Specifically, that book is 4,000 weeks. So you can hear me talk about that book in episode number 606 this year. And um, I also did a follow-up episode um, a little bit later on, episode 618, which also discusses topics from that book, 4,000 Weeks. And 4,000 Weeks, it's how many weeks you have in your life. And uh, I read it because it seems so perfect. It's about, you know, you have a limited lifespan, you're mortal. And so we, you know, you can't just work all the time. Productivity techniques are a trap. They just lead to more and more and more work. And life isn't just about work. Life is also about just enjoying being alive, uh, the simple things and, you know, connection with people in a personal way. So read the book in hopes <laughs> that I'd find some way to get out of this, this trap of all work and no play makes John a dull boy. But I haven't figured that out yet. Uh, so maybe in 2023, somehow, I don't know, 2023 doesn't look like I'm going to figure it out either because I'm going to continue to pour all of my time and energy into serving you and growing our machine learning company, uh, Nebula. And so in all likelihood, <laughs> 2023 will be uh, even more work, but it'll even be a bigger year for this podcast. So that's the good news for you guys. So we'll be stretching ourselves to find even bigger names than ever before in data science and machine learning and AI and cover even more mind-blowing topics and have uh, even more deeply practical conversations for you. I'll continue to have more experts join me on Friday episodes, which is something we just started experimenting with regularly in 2022. Expect to see more of that in 2023 with guests coming on on Fridays and digging into fascinating topics outside the narrow confines of the field of data science, but nevertheless topics that I am confident will inspire and support you through your career and your life. So combine those things with perhaps 2023 being the biggest year ever in terms of AI innovations and applications, we're surely in 
for an exciting year. So uh, thanks to everyone who works on the podcast. I mentioned everyone that we hired uh, newly this year already at the top of the show. So Serge Massis, our researcher, our new writer, Dr. Zara Karshe, as well as Natalie Jaisky, uh, my operations manager. But in addition, I'd like to take a moment here to thank the people who have been working on the show all year round. So I already alluded to Ivana Ziebert, our podcast manager. She's just incredible. So all year round, 104 episodes a year, she's on the ball with every aspect of the production of all these episodes. And, you know, they're always, in my view at least, tremendously high quality, about as good as podcasts get out there. So amazing to have Ivana um, captaining uh, the podcast and making sure that everything happens uh, to an extremely high standard. So thanks to Ivana. Mario Pombo, he's doing all of the audio and video editing for all 104 episodes all year round and just does an incredible job. He's so thoughtful about ways that we can be improving uh, the way that we do things all the time and being extremely consistent in delivering exquisitely professional, high quality all year round on those 104 episodes. So amazing. Thanks to Mario as well. And uh, I already mentioned our first writer. So in addition to Zara Karche, whom we added this year, we already had Sylvia Ogwang, who's been working with us for a couple of years. And so again, thanks to Sylvia for doing an amazing job writing and creating uh, podcast pages, show notes, social media posts that are awesome. So easy to read. Uh, and give great summaries of what's going on in each episode. And then finally, thanks, of course, to Kirill Aramenko. So Kirill founded the show, and he hosted the show up until I took over two years ago. So the first four years were all Kirill all the time. And I continue to meet with him regularly. He has a big influence on the direction of the show. And it's always such a joy to talk to him. We typically book hour-long meetings and end up talking for several hours uh, and despite one, it being either early morning or late evening for one of us because uh, he's based in Australia and I'm in New York. But we make it happen. And yeah, it's such a joy to work with you, man. And thanks again for the opportunity to host this program. It seriously is, um, yeah, the greatest honor of my life so far. So thanks everyone listening. And thanks, Kirill, for giving me the opportunity. Thanks, everyone on the show, Ivana, Mario, Sylvia, Serge, Zara, and Natalie for supporting me while I make these episodes. And of course, everyone at Nebula for supporting me, giving me the time to be making, to taking time out of my day there uh, to be making this program for all of you out there. All right, so um, last year when I lamented that I hadn't been playing musical instruments enough, I ended the episode by playing a song and uh, playing a song on the guitar and singing along. And I intended on having that be something that I would do every year, but sometimes things happen beyond our control. And I had a freak accident putting away a barbell recently and broke <laughs> the end of my right index finger, which you use for holding a guitar pick. And so I can't play guitar right now. <laughs> I've got a splint on that finger. Um, so, I recently came across this story, this legend from Hinduism that I thought was really inspiring. So I thought I would end the year with that instead of a song this year. So uh, there's two characters in this really short uh, legend. Uh, one of them is Ram, 
So Ram is a major Hindu deity. And then the other character is Hanuman. So Hanuman is part monkey, part man, and he's a devotee of the deity Ram. And so Ram asks Hanuman, what are you? And Hanuman says, when I don't know who I am, I serve you. When I do know who I am, I am you. So, <laughs> I don't know. I found that really beautiful. Um, it, uh, it connects me to you and to everything else. And it makes me think about how when we're not aware of that, when we're not aware of that connection that we all have with, with each other, um, we can at least focus on service to each other and to the greater good. All right, that's it for 2022. Keep on rocking it out there, my friend, in the new year, and catch you on another round of Super Data Science very soon. <laughs>